Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, we're back at it. How excited are you for today's conversation? I'm always excited to be with you, Kula, and I can't wait to talk about Dr. John Noseworthy, the present CEO Emeritus of Mayo Clinic, just a tremendous leader, and uh, I really had fun doing that podcast. It was fascinating. My dad and my grandfather are both physicians, and I feel like I've been around medical speak kind of my whole life, but this was really interesting for me because, of course, Dr. Noseworthy is the president and CEO emeritus of Mayo Clinic. And so hearing about his transition from physician to CEO really was fascinating. And I'm excited to get your take on some of the topics you discussed with him. So uh, let's get rolling with today's questions. But before we do, I got to ask you, how come you didn't become a doctor? Funny story. So I actually had plans to go to med school. I took all the classes, took the MCAT, all of that. My dad is an eye surgeon. My grandfather was an eye surgeon and I had plans to take over the family business. And um, there was a big snow in Birmingham, Alabama in 2014. That might seem random, but I was going sledding with my friends in the snow. And obviously it was freezing. So we had a bunch of layers on. I had like three pairs of gloves on my hands and we were sledding on these big circular metal tins almost. They weren't actual sleds, but I was holding onto the sides of it. I was sledding down the hill, tipped over, and this metal edge of the sled sliced off my pointer finger. And long story short, I get home. I'm like, dad, my finger is cut off. He's like, oh, I can take care of it. Sews me up on the kitchen counter. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. So I went to a hand specialist the next day and they were like, yeah, that's not right. Your dad operates on eyes, not hands. I had hand surgery. There were some complications with it. Anyways, at the time, the doctor said, you know, you might get full functionality back in your right hand or you might not. We can't really tell at this point. And the way that med school application cycles go, you have to apply by a certain date. And because of the surgery, it meant I would have to push my application back an entire year. And so at that point, I kind of just took a moment of self-reflection and thought, do I really want to do this? Like maybe my right hand will work, maybe it won't. And I'm gonna have to wait another year to even apply. So it took a lot of soul searching, but I decided to let my dream of being an eye surgeon go and pursue a different path. And lucky for you, David, I did, or else I wouldn't be sitting here. Well, there you have it. Uh, that's the end of the Three Questions podcast, that that 20-minute story. You know, it is interesting because people do have a tendency, particularly in the medical world, the grandfather, the father, the daughter, the son, you know, they kind of follow the footsteps of each other. So that's a heck of a story. Thanks for sharing it. She's nothing if not long-winded. So thank you for giving me a chance to <laughs> tell everybody about my chopped off finger. But uh, for now... We've got some questions to roll through, so let's get going with today's episode. Question number one. One thing I found fascinating about this conversation was when Dr. Noseworthy talked about a big challenge he faced when he took over as CEO of Mayo Clinic. His challenge was that he had to overhaul a business that was working. And David, I'm curious, you know, from your experience, when the problems aren't necessarily obvious— how does a leader know what to focus on? Well, I think the, the first thing that I'd like to say is that Dr. Noseworthy really 
took on the challenge that I think every leader needs to do, regardless of what the business situation is, is that you got to raise the bar for your team. You got to take the team to the next level. And that's definitely what he did at, at Mayo. But I think the answer always lies in really understanding the reality of whatever business you're in. You know, what's the customer reality? What's the employee reality? What's the financial reality? You really have to understand, you know, where you are today and then figure out, you know, what you have to do to raise the bar and take the business to a whole different level. And I think that starts with a reality-seeking process. And it also is driven by what you see happening in the future. How much change do you think you're going to have to make to be able to compete successfully? But I think all great leaders uh, are never satisfied. I think you got to have a healthy dissatisfaction with the status quo. And obviously, that's something that uh, Dr. Noseworthy had. I love when he talked about this idea of continuous improvement. You know, he said they had to re-engineer hundreds of practices to drive out inefficiency, drive up margins, and increase the quality. And like you said, I think it's just this idea of holding yourself to a higher and higher standard. And when you have successes, celebrating them, but know that it can always be better. And like you said, continually raise the bar. I think he had a particularly tough challenge because he's dealing with a really great business, you know, that had been successful over the years. You know, I always love turnaround situations. I always like to go in when anybody could find out what was wrong and then fix it. You know, that was always a lot of fun. It's fun to take a losing team and turn it into a winning team and all of that. It's a lot harder, I think, to go into a business that's really doing well and then figuring out what you have to do to, to keep it on track and, in fact, you know, take it to that next level. So, both situations are, are very, very challenging with different challenges. Question number two. Dr. Noseworthy said that the main thing he had to learn when he transitioned from physician to CEO was communicating and leading change. And I know that these two tenets are important for leaders anywhere. David, what can you say to leaders about how to navigate change well? Well, the first thing you realize is people do not want to change it's very hard for people to change. And the only reason why they're going to change is if they feel like they're going to get more pleasure from that change than pain. In fact, almost every decision is based on this pain-pleasure balance. And uh, one of the things you have to do as a leader is, is create a burning platform for your team that forces them to really realize that if they don't change, we're not going to grow, we're not going to have as many opportunities, and the business will will not be what it should be. And so, you know, there's that story about the burning platform where the ship is burning and the guy's on top of the platform and, you know, he jumps into the sea because why? There's no choice, okay? There was so much pain if he stayed up there in that platform, he ends up living, okay? But the point is, is that you've got to create a real need for change. And I think uh, that does require a lot of communication and a lot of art. The art is laying out all the facts that enables your team to realize that they've got to change. And then you got to communicate, communicate, communicate. Keep the pressing need to change front and center with your organization. And one of the things that I think really works is that as you, you know, see success, celebrate it. You got to celebrate the first downs because when you got a big problem, you're not going to go from A to Z overnight. You know, you're going to go A, B, C, D. You're going to work your way to Z. And so the way how you really motivate people is to celebrate your progress along the way. 
And I think that keeps people, you know, seeing that the fact that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I think another important part of navigating change, and I love that those two things are paired together, navigating change and communication, is clarity. Because with change, there's a lot of times doubts and unknowns. People aren't quite sure what the reality is going to be on the other side of this change. So whenever you do communicate, 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 it's so important to ensure that what you're communicating is clear and does not add to the hesitation or doubt that people might be feeling around change. So anytime you can clarify for people how this change will contribute to a better outcome for the business and a better outcome for them, I think it makes it a little bit easier for them to be okay with having to do whatever they need to do to actually change. Absolutely. I think you've got to paint that picture of what success looks like and that there is gold, that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And that keeps people motivated to do the right things. Question number three. Dr. Noseworthy knows that self-awareness is critical to your success. He says to pay a lot of attention to who you are as a young person developing your career. And if you're in the wrong lane, be honest with yourself and change lanes. David, I know you also believe that self-awareness is absolutely critical. Why is that? The only way you can grow is to understand who you are today and what you need to, to be tomorrow. And I think that's a process that every leader needs to really understand. You know, I do it every year. You know, I always th write down, you know, this is what I am today. And then I think about, okay, what do I have to do to take my performance to the next level? And I write down those things. And, uh, and I try to keep that front and center, you know, I'll laminate it on my desk, you know, I'll put it on my refrigerator. I think it's really important because, you know, you want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And uh, you are the main thing when it comes to your career. I have a friend who always says this to me, know better, do better. When you know more about yourself, what you like, what you dislike, what you're gifted at, what you're not so gifted at, you do better at the things that you pour your energy and effort into. So I too am a huge fan of self-awareness and just honestly being on a constant self-discovery journey. There's never a point that we get to as human beings in this life where there's nothing else to learn about ourselves. We're changing, we're developing. Situations in our life require different things of us. And, and I think that if you aren't continuing to get to know yourself as you grow and develop, it's a huge disservice to you and the ones you lead. You know, great point, Skula. And it kind of takes us full circle, doesn't it? Let's go back to you. You were going to be an eye surgeon. You had the self-awareness to realize that you might not be that good a one if your right finger was not really working too well. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want you operating on my eye. And uh, But then the good news for us is that you shifted gears and you're a great marketing person and a fun podcaster. And uh, it's fun doing this show with you. So I'm glad you're not an eye surgeon, Kula. Well, I appreciate that, David Novak. I am too. I am too. Well, that does it for today's episode. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. You got that right, Kula. And tune in Thursday for my conversation with Ray Scott, president and CEO of the Lear Corporation, which happens to be a global automotive technology leader in seating and e-systems. They're making every drive better. And I'll tell you what, it's fun to learn about how they do it. <laughs>